City Church, I'm just going to say this. I love you. I, I love you. Um, of course, 31 years, I love your pastor. Um, but sitting here experiencing the presence of God with you, look, look around this room. This, is, this church is beautiful. The, I, you can respond to that. Like, say yes, because that's you. It's beautiful. Um, everything that you were singing in that last song, The Blessing, Dr. Coulter, 60 years in ministry, Dr. Coulter and Esther, 60 years of marriage, Brent, Nicole, Avery, Paris, like you are in a very special place. This is rare air. It is sacred space to be in a place where I could sense the heartbeat of God, but also the heartbeat of your pastor, this church, to say, may his favor be upon you to your children and your children. Like, there is, in this atmosphere, did you sense that? Like, God is after something. I am honored to be here, uh, grateful for the stability and the roots of God bringing me across a relationship that would actually bring so much uh, refreshing stability over the course of my life. I was 17 years old. I've forgiven Pastor Brent for throwing a cheap shot at me, but... (laughs) But as I'm sitting here today and thinking about all of this, I can't even sit because they got me a chair, but I just am so grateful to God for how he takes what we seem to think is trash and makes treasure when things are are confusing to us. But so I'm grateful to be here. Listen, we're in a series titled The Way of Love, and Pastor Brent kicked it off uh, talking about foundationally love is. And we could say that it's the way of God, because God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love, the essence of his nature. We could also say that God is love, but not all love is God's. But in the end, there is something about understanding being followers of the way, the way of love, the way of God, that, that we need to embrace, that we need to grab a hold of. And then Pastor Michael, last week, talked about uncommon love, that we need to make uncommon love common, and then he taught you how to lie. Okay, so you may remember that. Listen, inquire. Uh, I just think that uh, it is important for us to establish that if you're not familiar, maybe you're new to church, but church is not a place of perfection. It's a laboratory where we learn to be loved and to love, where we are refamilied. I think that is so great because the deepest needs of the human heart, and I would lean in and write this down, every single one of us, the deepest need of our heart is identity, acceptance, security, purpose. The question of who am I, who wants me, who can I trust, why am I here? All of us, at any given time, we're asking that question. And we come into a place to learn to be loved and to love so that those questions can be answered because the Bible gives us instruction that we are responsible to guard our hearts. And our hearts need answers to who am I? Who wants me? Who can I trust? Why am I here? There's one source. I've tried a lot of other sources to answer those questions, but God alone who is the essence and nature of love, answers those questions. It's good news. So we are here today to talk about marriage, but in reality, this entire series is about relationships, friendships, parenting. Like, in the context of marriage, we are going to talk about it. And here's, here's why I feel like I can have some authority 
and some excitement for you today because by the time I was 10 years old, I had three dads. My parents got divorced when I was two, then again when I was eight. My mom got remarried at 10. Both my, my dad was married four times, my mom three, and I love them, but, but when it came to a map and a blueprint for marriage, I was, I was deficient. I was missing some things. But there was a hunger in my heart to have and be a marriage champion. There was a hunger in my heart that then produced some humility. I had to give up my view and opinion for God's view and opinion. I had to give it up to see what God had in store for me. And so when I was 17 years old, I was watching a late night infomercial. It was called Hidden Keys to Loving Relationships. A guy by the name of Gary Smalley. And at 17, I ordered 16 VHS tapes, Hidden Keys to Loving Relationships. I was hungry. I was hungry. I didn't have the answer. So I want to share with you out of this, and marriage is also a lab. Those of us who've been married, my wife and I have been married 22 years. Uh, There's a picture of my, my wife and children here that you can see. I am so grateful, and I'm actually really shocked if I'm being honest, like shocked, 22 years, um, four beautiful, incredible children, like I'm just, I'm just a trophy of God's grace. You know what trophies do? They don't do anything. They display the glory and the splendor of the one who did all the work. That's what I am. I'm a trophy of grace. But marriage is a crucible of character development. It develops. If you understand this, it will have a work in you, and great marriages or relationships or friendships, they don't just happen. They have to be intentional. Community, developing that. So I I want you to just hear my title for just a second. The title of this message is Marriage Secrets. The, The word secrets is a very biblical word, right? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. Secrets, they're they're like leverage, force multipliers. I've learned a few. I don't know it all, but I've learned a few in my following God, following Jesus in the way of love. And I just want you to get this. Uh, Proverbs 25, 2, it says this. "It's It's the glory of God to conceal a matter To search out a matter is the glory of kings. I don't know why our Bibles aren't just like two pages, right? Some of us would would really like that if it was just two pages, just tell us exactly what to do, give us a little checklist, but it's not. It's it's written primarily in narrative and story. 43% of the Bible is stories, parables, 33% poetry, 24% is letters, sermons, laws, like, but, but the main thrust of Scripture is story, so that you would come to understand story, so that you would search for treasure. I don't want to study my Bible to be a, to be a scholar. I want to study my Bible to be a steward. You with me? Like, like a, a kid before Christmas, he's shaking boxes. That, that's, that's the posture for us. So the secrets that I, I'm going to tell you, it's like if someone says, hey, I got a secret to tell you. You, you lean in. So I'm going to tell you four secrets that have been impactful for me uh, as it relates to marriage. First one is this. The secret of deposits before withdrawals. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. 
But if we've never received love, how can we love others? 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. He first loved us. that's, That's enormously important in marriage. And and when we read a a secret like that, deposits before withdrawals, we can put the attention on us. But here's here's what I've learned. It It is imperative for me to get up early, consistently each day, to spend time with the Lord so that he can lavish love on me. God is a God of order. Order makes way for beauty. And so when you understand that you cannot give what you have not received, oftentimes we're trying to live off of fumes when we have not received love. And the sequence of that is significant in Scripture and in your marriage. You've got to receive it to give it. And you can't give what you have not received. I always tell my kids this. You'll never love me as much as I love you. They're like, Whatever, dad. No, that's not true. I'm like, yeah, it's true. 100% true. What does dad do with his money, his time, his energy? He gives it to you. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And what you sacrifice for, you will fall in love with. Sacrifice is essential to intimacy. But sacrifice is not doing something, expecting something in return. That's called manipulation. Sacrifice is doing something for someone else without an expectation of return. That's what God did for us. That's why he's in love with you. He went first, 1 John four sixteen, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. We have to get it to give it. 1 John 4, 16 out of the Living Bible says, we know how much God loves us because we've felt his love. Because we believe him when he tells us that he loves us dearly. Do you feel it? Rejection is one of the primary issues with humans to receiving and giving love. We feel rejected all the time. And God is the source of love and the source of life. He comes in to heal the brokenhearted, and he always goes first to speak over us so that we can experience and feel the love of God, because love that is not felt is of no value. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He went first. So you need to write this down. Satisfaction in your marriage is determined by the sacrifices in your marriage. If you're experiencing a period in your marriage where it feels like you're distant or there doesn't feel like love, Find a quiet place to receive God's love. Remind yourself what he did while you were still a sinner. Read the book of Hosea where God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. It's not that Hosea marries a prostitute that's so crazy. It's that he falls in love with her that's crazy. Then she cheats on him, Gomer, and he still takes her back. That's a picture of love that God has for you. And eventually, when you get to a place of receiving Love like that, you get rooted because there is no other love like that. 
Love, in our culture, in our context, if you do good, you are good. If you do bad, you are bad. God loves you. He has always loved you. He will always love you. Because of his love for you, God has blessed you in Christ Jesus. This is the order in Scripture. God blesses, then says, get to work. That's what he does in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. He says to Adam and Eve, he blesses them and then says, get to work. Do you understand the stability that comes when you experience that type of foundation? That's why, I'll say it this way, every day of my life, I want to experience that deep affection so that I can have the confidence every day to know who I am, who wants me, who I can trust, and why I'm here. So my practice, I call living loved by God. Do you live loved by God? Do you practice it? Psalms 139 says, how precious are the thoughts that I have for you. Let let me tell you how you practically apply this. God, today, what's one of your precious thoughts about me? Just ask the Lord, pause, take a journal. Imagine if you did that every day for the next 40 days and you had 40 precious thoughts that God has about you. Zephaniah 3 talks about how God sings over you with songs of rejoicing. Do you ever wonder or have you ever even made room to ask God, what song are you singing today? Wouldn't you like to know? You understand that heaven talks about you differently than the way that the earth does. How do we know that? Because in Judges 6, Gideon is cowering in the corner in fear, and the angel of the Lord walks in and says, you mighty man of valor. That's how God talks about you. He was displaying no qualities of that. The angels in heaven were talking about him being a mighty man of valor. Don't you want to know how heaven talks about you? Make space to listen, to hear what songs are being sung, what precious thoughts are being had. It will change everything. Ask me how I know. Because I did it. I came from an unstable home environment. I needed radical love. Radical means rooted. So I stabilized in receiving my worth and value even though I had had an unstable home life. That's good news for some of you. God brought people like Brent into my life who had strong fathering, strong parenting relationships. Oftentimes, we can think to ourselves, feel like we're, we're a victim left without, but, but if we understand what God is doing, he's bringing people across your path. He's bringing you to a church where you can receive and feel the love of God. And I'll just say this. If you want to love this church, sacrifice. You'll fall in love. Just one little step. Are you with me? All right. So practice living living love by God. Secret number two, the secret of home. The secret of home. Home is where you dwell. It's your habitat. This isn't where married people have kids. So if you're in an apartment, if you live in a box, it's okay. Like that's your home. It's your habitat. But your home is to be headquarters for wholeness. Headquarters for wholeness. We are to architect our environment. Because here's here's the reality. We aren't bad people that God is trying to make better. We are lost people. God is trying to bring us 
home to. Proverbs 24, 3 says this, homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. Think about your home. Is it a war zone? Is it chaos? Is it filled with the disease of our generation, distraction and hurry, overwork, sedation, binge watching, getting sucked into the scroll, or is there peace for your soul? Historically, the church has survived because of the home. Think about the last two years. If your home was not a habitat or headquarters for wholeness, but after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the scattering of the Jewish nation into exile, the rabbis began to refer to home as a small sanctuary. Not his castle, his sanctuary. It was to be set aside for special purposes. It was more important than the synagogue. What happens in a sanctuary, in a sacred space? A few things. Life-giving learning. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Your home is to be a place, not just the house of God, but your home is a place where you teach the story and the narrative and the scripture and the principles to strengthen your heart, your, the hearts of your children. Second, what happens in a sanctuary? The table is an altar. It's something to be consecrated. Psalms 128.3, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Your table is an altar. What's an altar? A place where things come to live, things come to die. If, if I gave you the study, the, the medical studies of what frequent family meals does for your mental health, what it does for boosting confidence in your children, you would not go a week without three consistent uh, family meals. And by family, I don't just mean that you have children. I'm talking about people that you invite over to your house. In our home, what we do is we have a, a set time for what we refer to as meaningful meals. I'm going to say this. In 2023, coming out of COVID, have more meaningful meals. Anybody realize how important people are? Have more meaningful meals. Your life will be better. Okay, so what we do around our table is we ask questions. How's your heart? To my 17-year-old, my 14-year-old sons that are now at the house, how's your heart? Are you hurting? Are you exhausted? Are you angry? Are you resentful? Are you tense? That's where we have conversations. We have fun. We tell stories. And then the other thing that happens around the table, or what happens in a sanctuary, is blessing. That song that we sang to end our, our worship was a blessing. Number six, the ironic blessing. Like death in, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I, I found an interesting study on marriages that says that, that with specificity, couples that endure uh, five out of every 100 comments are negative. Couples that fall apart and over years of study, 10 out of one, every 100 comments are negative and critical. Negativity is the assassin of relationships, right? These put-downs. And over time, right, you get familiar with each other, but God gives us the opportunity to follow 
in blessing because it catalyzes the destiny in people's lives. And so as husbands and wives, over our children, our children over us as parents, we are to bless one another. Are you with me? This we can see throughout Scripture, Genesis 27, 28 through 29. I'm not going to read it, but go back and read the blessings that are spoken. Sometimes we, we get two out here that we miss the practicality of Scripture. So I'm going to give you an example of this, all right, and what you can do. Uh, I, we call it give them how. This is a practical way, honor, appreciation, and love. So I can take my phone, which I can get lost and sucked into the scroll, or I can turn on the video recorder, which I'm going to do now, and I'm going to send a message, and you're going to see how long this takes. Hey, honey, I'm here in Toronto. I'm preaching in front of everybody. I just want to let you know, I love you. I need you. You're my best friend. You're so good to me. I appreciate you. You are amazing. You are the best, most amazing mother. You're beautiful outside and inside, and I would marry you all over again. And I can't wait to see you tonight. That was at least 26 seconds. You got time for that? You got time for that to send that to a coworker, to your pastor, to somebody that means something special to you? I think we overcomplicate blessing. Give them how. Yeah. Give them how. Honor, appreciation, and love. Take a sticky note out. I like a sticky note because it's really short. I can just write like eight words on it. Would we get healthier? Would our homes get healthier? Would our churches, would our relationships, if we wrote more meaningful messages? More meaningful meals, more meaningful messages. I'm just saying, if you'll, if you'll do this consistently, everything will change. The third secret is this, the secret of structure. Healthy hearts, healthy homes, healthy habits, right? Like, you need to basically, this is going to be really simple for you, but I'll, I'll give it to you this way. I'm going to quote just Psalms 90, 12. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may have a heart of wisdom. You know what that is? Teach us to number our days. Anyone think about what a system that exists for numbering your days, what would you call that? calendar. That's what I would call it. I, I use a seven-day calendar because what I've found is that sometimes when I look at 90 days, but I use all of those, but seven days. Every seven days, what do you need? What does your spouse need? What does your family need? Take seven days to focus on building into it. Marriages. I brought some books that I'll, I'll, I'll give away to some people uh, for a vision retreat. Every year, my wife and I will take a vision retreat. Two days. We'll just go over questions because we, we need to be intentional. That's what structure does. It doesn't stifle us. It nourishes us to flourish. That's what we need. Luke 4, 16. Jesus, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scripture as usual. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Consistency over time equals results. Are you with me? Jesus did things consistently. Build consistency. Date nights. And when you, when you show up, there was a season of time where my, our date nights weren't awesome, okay? And I had to think about really what God was asking from our date nights. I wanted creativity. I wanted connection. I wanted fun. So it wasn't about just doing it. I needed the right mindset, motivation, and I needed the methods. 
That's how we have wholeness and integration. And so I had to take our date nights that were on Friday, and on, on Monday, I had to block my calendar for two hours to prepare for date nights so that they would be great. Guys, I am giving you some great intentional stuff here. I know, I know you're like, no, just tell us. Like Jesus, we don't care that he often withdrew. We don't care that as usual he did these things. Give us something more spiritual. This is spiritual. Your relationships affect your emotions, affects your physicality, affects your money. All of it's intertwined. And if you're feeling disintegrated, know that God wants you to be whole, integrated. And your date nights matter. Your calendar matters. Grace is not opposed to effort and energy. Grace is opposed to earning. Shall I say that again? Grace is not opposed to effort and action. It's opposed to earning. We don't do these things in order for God to love us or like us. He loves us. He likes us. He's for us, not against us. His favor surrounds us like a shield so that we can walk with some swagger and love our spouses, love our children, do hard things. Amen, Brad. Thank you. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, train yourself for a holy life. While physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promise for this new life now and the life to come. Don't neglect the spiritual gift in you that was given through prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Practice, practice these things. Live by them so your progress will be visible to all. Focus on working on your own development and on what you teach. If you do this, you'll save yourself and those who hear you. I think to many, um, church is like going to a matinee or a movie. When it's supposed to be like going to the gym, where you train for transformation. Is that how you think? Are you thinking like, what am I going to do with this? Or are you like, hurry up, I'm hungry. Can you imagine like in Matthew 7, 24, when Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. He'll be a wise person that builds his house on the rock. Practice. Hear and do. Hear and build habits. Habits that are connected to the heart of God. I am loved, therefore I will receive it and then I will give it. Are you with me? Like that is so important. You can, you can go and, and read through all of the passages, search for make every effort scriptures. Make every effort to keep the bond of, of unity, to keep the bond of peace. Make every effort. The fourth secret is the secret of curiosity and kindness in your relationships and your marriage. Did you know this, that there are 3,326 questions in the Bible? God apparently is a question-asking God. Apparently, he doesn't have all the answers, but he does have all of the questions. Do you know that Jesus asked in the New Testament 307 questions? What are you looking for? What are you longing for? Do you want to be whole? God in Genesis is asking Adam, where are you? Does he not know where Adam is? No, where are you? Who told you? Pass Hagar, where have you been? Where are you going? Do you see any relevance to those questions in your life? He asks questions, and he models for us how we, are to, how we are to connect with others. 
ask questions, right? And that's, that's why Jesus, who is a rabbi, he is asking questions because he knows that it reveals the heart of the students. Do you love me? What do you want me to do for you? If you spent the next 40 days in the questions of Jesus, think about all the questions that God asked Job. I'm telling you, you would start to discover the master of life in a completely new way. Here's how I know, because I did it. I had never seen this till a few years ago. And I started to go through these questions, and I started to use these questions to actually in, come connect with other people. You with me? Like, this is how Jesus evangelized. He asked people questions, curious questions. Some of us grew up not doing anything like that. We have to develop. Here's why. Communication is an exchange of information. Connection is an exchange of divinity, exchange of emotion. Sometimes we can come, right, to church or just be out working, and nobody, does, it, does anybody even care that we exist? Everybody here wants to be known, wants to be loved. Anybody not want to be loved, known, celebrated? No, that's been hardwired into our hearts. So the secret of marriage is curiosity and kindness. The secret of relationships is to be curious and to, to be kind. And the way that, that we did this, I was so moved by this years ago that, that I, I got a team together. We built an app. It's free. I'm just going to encourage you. It's called Q-Nection. Q-N-N-E-C-T-I-O-N. Qnection.com. Go there, free, download it. Thousands of questions. Ask your coworkers. People, people use it in the corporate boardrooms. They use it around the dinner table. Like, but what it does is it acts, questions act like keys to unlock the hearts. You with me? Be curious and be kind. Secrets. Secrets of deposits and withdrawals, receiving the love of God, making space and time to practice being loved by God. Can you see the value? Are you with me? I, I, I'm not here for my benefit. I, pr I promise you I'm here for yours. The secret of, of home, being the habitat for, for wholeness, creating life-giving learning, creating the table as an altar, creating a space for blessing. This will change everything. If you will just adhere to the word of the Lord to step out and to do this. The secret of structure and the secret of curiosity and kindness. This is the way of love. This is the way of marriage, relationships that will thrive. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And, and I want you to turn towards someone. If you can't stand, if it's difficult to stand, that's okay. Stay seated. But I want you to turn towards someone. Doesn't have to be the person that you came with this morning, but just with your face, turn towards them. All right? I know some of you are nervous, okay? And I just want you to, to lock eyes with them for a minute. Just look at them, okay? No giggling, no laughing for just a second. Look at them. This is an individual who bears the image of God, okay? There's someone up here who doesn't have a person. That's looking at them. There's three right there. Turn, turn right there. Okay. Stay, stay with your eyes locked on them. This person bears the image of God. This is not a hologram. This is a treasure of God. 
This person in front of you has a story. They have hurts. They have struggles. They have triumphs. They have successes. They, they are called to do something that only they can do on this earth. They're important. They are valuable. Do you see them? As you're looking at them, I just want one of you to go first to say, if you really knew me, you would know right now the thing that I'm most grateful for is this. Go ahead. You can talk in church. If you really knew me, you would know the thing that I'm most grateful for. And once you share, let the other person go and tell you. Again, we're not here to hurry and, and leave. We're here because there's value in humanity. Now would you just say to that person, the Lord bless you, Lord keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, give them a hug and just stay standing for a minute. Listen, listen this morning, so much value in, in the family of God. We, we practice the presence of God and we practice the presence of people. Both are, are so valuable, so important. And if you're here, what you just experienced in the, both the embrace and the face being turned towards you, it's how God feels about each of you. And if you're here and you've not responded to the love and goodness of God, you've not responded to the sacrifice of him going first. You're not too messed up. It's not too much. You're not too much. You, you are not. He loves you. He wants to lavish his love upon you. And if you want to make a step to move closer to that relationship, then we're all gonna pray together and with your heart wide open, let's pray. God, thank you that you love each of these people, their families. God, you place them on this earth to do something special. Lord, as you woo and pursue our hearts to come closer to you by shedding the blood of your son, And by the power of his resurrection, Lord, we receive the life that we can have so that we can become sons and daughters of a good father, a great father. Lord, I pray a blessing over every person here, Lord, that their homes would become fortified and secured in your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your favor. Lord, I pray a blessing over every single individual in here that they walk out of this place feeling and sensing and experiencing your love in Jesus' name, amen.